Hello, everyone. Welcome to Collisions YYC Current and Critical. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm. Thank you for joining me today for another good old-fashioned chat. Today's show is brought to you in partnership with Clearmotive Marketing. Thank you to my business partner, Chad Croker, and the entire team who worked tirelessly behind the scenes to make this show a reality. As a founding partner at Clearmotive, I'm excited to announce the official launch of our industrial marketing system. As a company with 15 plus years of experience with a variety of clients in nearly every sector, we identified that industrial manufacturing companies were underserved. You have unique needs, and we have developed a unique skill set to help you succeed. If you build and sell a product that helps other companies, we have developed an industrial marketing system to get your highest priority product in front of your ideal customer profile in less than eight weeks. Gardner recently reported that your buyers are 87% of the way through their buying process before contacting your company directly. That means it's never been more critical to apply the right marketing process to create and close more deals. Our three-stage industrial marketing system helps you shorten your sales cycle by using modern marketing tactics designed specifically for your industry and more importantly, for the way your clients like to buy. Stop sitting on the sidelines wondering which part of your marketing is working and put a system in place that makes it easy for your most valuable prospects to find you and get excited about your solution to their challenges. To find out more about what ClearMotive's industrial marketing system can do for you, please check us out at www.clearmotive.ca IMS, or better yet, open up your email and contact me directly at tyler at clearmotive.ca, T-Y-L-E-R. I'm excited to chat with you and put a plan in place to get your most valuable leads contacting you and not your competitors. Hello and a warm collisions YYC. Welcome to my friend, Miss Catherine Brownlee. How are you doing, Catherine? I'm doing great, Tyler. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. Um, I'm going to thank COVID, uh, or sorry, post-COVID for, for having you on the show. I hadn't seen you for a couple of years. Yeah. I don't know. Everything is two or three years now. I don't even know. <laughs> but recently, there's been a slew of amazing events uh, coming through town. And I saw you at one event, and I saw you at the next event, and I saw you at the event after that. And I was like, just great to see everybody out and about. Great to run into you again and kind of feel the energy and the positivity you always have for our city. Okay. So before we get into... You know, I would be shocked if majority of my audience or certainly most people that have been on the show don't already know you because you are very prolific around town and certainly are incredibly well connected, something I always admire for you. But for anyone who doesn't, let's give them the quick uh, Collisions YYC elevator pitch. President and CEO at Catherine Brownlee, Inc. Give us what is CBI? What do you guys do? What are what are you all about? And what are your what are your favorite passions of the day? Catherine? Uh, well, CBI is connecting two entities that we believe in. And the revenue streams are recruiting, so hiring or helping hire candidates into organizations, again, that we believe in. And that's ensuring that we've got the right culture match and and place them. And then we also work with Anderson LLP and support them on a business development strategy side. So those are our two revenue streams. But as you know, Tyler, uh, like you, there's always opportunities to connect individuals for other reasons, like helping build any tech organization or supporting a not-for-profit or charity that needs to do some fundraising. Mm -hmm. Uh, Any of those same skills are very transferable into the uh, non-profit side of what we do, which is also equally important to us. I appreciate that. Talk to me a little bit about, sorry, it's connecting with with people, connecting with who we believe in. Sorry, can you just restate it? It caught me, but then you kind of moved on quickly and I didn't get to write it down. No problem. We connect people and organizations that we believe in. 
Connect people and organizations we believe in. That's awesome. Define believe in for me for a second, because that's a great statement. I love it. It immediately gets me jazzed up. But you know, belief, purpose, those are a lot of words that get pushed around a little bit lately. And I love to define what they mean to us as individuals, because they're they're easy to go, oh, I know what you mean. But do I really know what you mean? So when you say believe in, what what are some of the criteria? What are the things that like immediately come to mind when you think of that statement? Mm, thank you. Probably the same things that you're looking for when you're looking at your clientele is do they act in integrity? Do they treat their team well? Are they showing up in the community in ways that are not only for profit, but they have a a holistic view of how they contribute back to the community that they are serving? Um, So that whole being, meaning the whole organization and how they behave is extremely important to us, which is why you'll see us in the majority are small to medium organizations that we are normally dealing with the uh, president or CEO, COO level, or even the director of HR, um, so that we have a really good handle on who we are, uh, who the client is in their culture, but how they, they serve the community and internally and externally. Love that. What a great answer, Catherine. Uh, curious. You've been, you've been, you've been Catherine for a while. You've been doing this like part of our, part of our ecosystem, part of our community, but certainly in Calgary. Are we getting better at this? Are we getting better at the belief, the, the, the believe inside from sense of purpose and sense of connectivity and companies realizing that it's a non-negotiable, even from a employer branding perspective to not be involved in the community, to not show that. Are we trending in a, po- in a more positive direction? What's, or love your kind of view of that crystal ball. Mm, I think again, you and I are, the same we're, we're, we're seeing <laughs> and I think pre-recording here we were talking about how um, we really are today you know as a as a society and how we are uh, contributing and and how we will attract others that are similar to who we are so I think when we are speaking to the ones that we believe in they're usually uh, like-minded whereas I think when we look at a broader picture I think we're still, we have a long way to go uh, where there's, there's many organizations that um, maybe don't necessarily participate in this way. So, but you're right. I mean, the ones that you and I circul- circulate with and the ones that we want to be around, they're the ones that are doing what we want to be with, right? That high integrity and communicating. Like, like attracts like. There's no, there's no question about exactly. that. And I certainly feel in this um, emerging, like whether it's any, like everything around energy transition that's happening right now, certainly everything around this amazing, really kind of high energy tech ecosystem that, you know, was a buzzword felt like a couple of years ago, but it's like, no, no, no. Now you can kind of put your hand on it. You can go to event and, and the platform Calgary event, less like thousand people plus standing room only adventures in town. Like it became this FOMO of like, are you going to this? Or yeah. what did you do? Like that wasn't like that a couple of years ago. It certainly they were there. And I'm not saying to anyone who's been on the journey for a while, but there's a critical mass that's happening yeah. where you seems like if you are even trying to be involved, you're going to get swept into it. Yeah. And I think that's a pretty cool wave that's, that's happening happening, which a few years ago, I remember I met Terry Rock from Platform, just using them as an example, when he was telling me about the dream of Platform mm-hmm. and to hear, you know, of what they are now and the events that's happening and everything that's going on there, that wasn't that long ago. Like, But I know that that was a 20-year dream kind of coming to fruition yeah. <laughs> over the last couple of years. It's the 20-year overnight successes that we all celebrate. So true. Oh, I can't believe that happened. But the people that are involved are like, we've been working at this for yeah. a while. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. Talk to me a little bit about, obviously, you've been involved in the oil and, in the energy sector, we'll just call it the energy sector, but specifically oil and gas for years in Calgary. We've had, a, clearly, anyone who's involved knows that the last kind of four, five, seven years have been kind of, have been a bit rough. 
when you look at recruiting and the talent gap that of course I can't have a podcast with anybody that it doesn't come up, what are you seeing with recruiting? Like from the energy sector now that it's picking up, but also these tech jobs and not just entry level, you know, full stack developers, but product uh, developers and people that are looking at 10, 15 years experience is where I've heard some of the gap is in town. What are you seeing kind of across the myriad, especially now that energy is kind of pick, picked back up? Is it, is it a talent? Is it, a, is it an arms race out there? Well, the, the gap is real. Interestingly, though, this time is the there's still a large amount of great candidates that are still looking for jobs. So we are not exposed to many files in energy, in oil and gas, because all they have to do is tell their friends where uh, they need our support is when they're looking for someone more specific, like a director of HR. We've placed a couple and then into the U.S. So the U.S. is where the scramble is happening. Calgary is not there yet, again, because all they have to do is tell their friends and they'll they'll get 50 resumes and of great candidates uh, okay. that they can choose from. So interesting. So from an energy, yeah, that that is how, that's why I also think it's one of Calgary's superpowers. It is the biggest small town. It's a 1.3 <laughs> million plus person small town. Yeah. It's like literally 1.3 degrees of separation, I think, statistically. <laughs> so when you say we're not here where the U.S. is, specifically talking about the energy yes. sector or just the job market, specifically around energy? Yeah, energy specifically. Okay. Yeah, it is a very mm. tight market down there. We've had several uh, positions with one great client that we've had for years and years. And we got really close with one candidate, and unfortunately, they didn't take it. And so they had to uh, promote with, within, and they've had some field set, uh, service tech managers with us. We still have not found, and it's been oh, since really? December. Okay, so that's six, seven months. Yeah. And where, uh, Gia, is this, are we talking about just, just south of the border? Or are we talking about more down in, down in tech? Okay, mm-hmm. that's, that was my, that's where I wanted to jump in my mind, mm-hmm. certainly from mm-hmm. anyone I've chatted with. They said things are kind of going gangbusters mm-hmm. down there. Mm-hmm. And is it a combination of that their market is just a little bit, I've heard Texas is on fire in so many different uh, avenues from crypto mining to like just the government being so pro mm-hmm. uh, industry and innovation down there. <clears throat> Take a lesson, Alberta. Yes. <clears throat> Sorry, just going to slip that in. <laughs> Um, get out of the That's way, right. reduce friction. Anyways, um, I think government's role is very clear. I just don't always know they stay in their lane. Yeah. Um, are they coming up poaching? Is that, are you, are you seeing a lot of people, Calgarians or, or Western or Albertans being pulled down into, into that market 100%. from cross-border? 100%. Okay. And, yeah. and not always being pulled down. Some are actually aggressively wanting to leave Canada. Oh, for, thanks for fixing my wording. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, no. It, it's, Aggressively wanting to leave Canada. Well, that sound, that's a harsh right to it. It's actually both. It's both. They're, so okay. they are being headhunted okay. for sure, but it, it is also very much a very active pursuit for something else that is outside of Canada. Very interesting. Well, fair enough. We've got, we all have our issues and, you know, the grass is always greener. I'm not saying it's not, but there's sometimes also just the opportunity to go try something new and work in a different market and just, you know, have a whole different kind of regulatory environment. All the things that, you know, Canada has, uh, or certainly Alberta is very different than than some parts. Anyone I know who's worked in both markets, they're like, they are very, they are very, very different. For sure. Uh, Talk to me about what you're seeing in the, in the, in the tech. I've seen you at a lot of events that were very tech oriented, some, some energy, but some just pure technology, not that those are exclusive or separate. Mm -hmm. Um, what are you seeing for recruiting there? And are you getting involved? Like you, you talked about, you know, the right fits and people that believe in being small or like nonprofits, right to tech startups. What are you seeing in the tech startups versus maybe some of our more mature? Because we've got some companies now that have been around for a few years, mm-hmm. whether that's a Neo or a Benevity or a Cement or like that are at a Series B, like they're looking for very different hires than your first 10 employees. Like that's a very different thing. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this, this actually speaks to the gap that you were referring to. 
earlier. In fact, there's very much a gap in tech. And when we started in this space about uh, two and a half years, maybe three years ago, we were asked specifically, no, it would be three years ago, sorry. Uh, we were specifically asked to find developers. We had to go as far as Vancouver, Ontario, into the States to find them, and they actually relocated them here. And then speaking to the ecosystem that you referred to, it's very much that now. It's starting to, um, they're, they're now able to look to see where their second and third job will be versus... Yeah, I've, uh, heard, I've, heard, I've heard that. The, the, the risk of like, oh, geez, if I come there, what, what, where do I go next? Okay. And a lot of people in that tech space, they're already getting the lines in the water on that second job as they're getting the first That's job right. or, 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 or whatever. It's maybe not the first, but yeah, in a market, in a specific It's market. so true. And, and they are so needed. So uh, they know how important their role is and, and they're treated very well. So certainly that ecosystem is being built. Uh, the tra tra transferable ones like HR and operations, accounting, finance, uh, that's not as difficult because they can literally move anybody from any other industry into those organizations. Right, okay. It's just the ones that are specific to tech, but like developers, et cetera, that has that gap. But it is, it's getting better. Okay. And I have heard that from a lot of people, even the, the glut of our grads leaving is like, well, that numbers come way down. And I've heard a lot of positive, like, you know, those stats don't make the news the same way as the 60% of students have left. Like that stat hits the headline, but the other one about, well, it's dropped down now to only 30 doesn't seem to show up. Right. What are you seeing with work remote versus, you said very specifically three years ago, they moved here, they transferred them here. Mm -hmm. Is that opening up possibilities? I know, and I, you and I chatted a little bit before we hit the big record button around, you know, our company, we've gone to a remote, full, not, we were remote first, now we're just full remote. Mm -hmm. And from a recruiting perspective, it has absolutely been an advantage. We'll see over time how it plays out. Like I said to you very transparently, it is a bit of an experiment, but we've found people in Ottawa, we found people in Toronto, we've got somebody in Montreal, people that were inaccessible to us. Even in Toronto, somebody, we have somebody who lives in Ajax, we had an office in Toronto that was still almost inaccessible because it was a two hour train ride. Yeah. <laughs> so like, think putting it into perspective, you know, it's like, oh, you work in Calgary, but you live the other side of Red Deer. Well, yeah, I'm in the same province, but it's not convenient. What are you seeing? Are companies a lot more open to like, we don't care where you live as long as you do the job or is it really depend on the company and the culture? It depends on the company and culture for sure. It also depends on the role. So there's mm -hmm. many roles uh, right now. We're, we're actually uh, one of our major clients is a surgical suite company that uh, goes all okay. across Canada and into the U S the manager of surgical suite could never be remote. Of course. I mean, maybe yeah, for a day, but they literally have to be around for their, <laughs> their nurses and doctors and, and be on the ground. So I, it depends on the company for sure. And then number two, the culture, and then it's coming from the top, whether the uh, CEO, COO, whatever, whoever's making that decision, uh, trust their team enough to continue in that realm. And then another part is there's many of us, and I'm, I'm on this side, where I feel that we best succeed together and by being purposeful around the water cooler and being able to walk down the hall is extremely powerful still. And I know that, that that's a controversial topic for many, but that's certainly where I have seen the majority of professional growth in a person is watching them be around and look up to and be mentored by people that are literally across the hall from them. 
There's no question. And uh, you've got to work pretty hard at it to make sure that you're not losing because there's things you gain from working from home and there's things that you lose. And and I want to be so careful. You're absolutely right. It's the wrong conversation to even say work from home or the office. Those aren't the two things. What's the type of work? Where's the best value created? When should we be in the room? When do I need to just put my head down and do work? What do you do? Are you a knowledge worker uh, versus someone who has like you talked about a surgical suite? There's a pretty hands-on component there. So it's pretty hard to separate. So you're right. It's a much, much bigger conversation. It's so lazy just to say, oh, office or home. That's not the conversation at all, well, actually. Uh, there's some, though, and, that are either office or home, and, and some are doing it really great. Yeah, I still think it's more complicated than that. Yeah, it can be, can be. <laughs> yeah, the, t- the type of work and, and you know what is the outcome and the ability to measure the outcome. But yeah. again, like anything, it's making it more complicated for all parties involved. Let's just agree. To, yeah. You know, we can agree on yeah, that. You've got so many now. And let's be honest, we live in a world of personalization. Yeah. I want everything the way exactly that I want it exactly when I yeah. want it. And I want to be at home this morning, but I want to be in the office today. And I want to be, well, I want to work from Mexico for a month the next month. There is so much of our world that we've been taught from the way we order Amazon to the way our phones personalize everything for us. That we and that's very hard to do at scale yes. for larger organizations. Like, how do you do that across a thousand unique individuals? It's very tricky. It's true, and especially and and I don't think the rest of the world has really noticed this yet, but they will. There's going to be a tax problem with the amount of people that think that they can just go to Barbados and just work from there and work for the same company. And over once you're done 30 days, you've got to make a decision. And yes. they, I don't think a lot of people understand that there's going to be a lot of complications and ramifications as a result. I think you're absolutely right. And I know it's an exciting topic to hang out with friends and talk about tax, (laughs) but there's some very real tax implications coming down. And I, you know, oftentimes at the individual level, you're very used to your company just takes care of it for you. And you're right. But all of a sudden you go there past the 30, I've heard the 30 day mark is kind of the magic number when things can get dicey. And everybody wants their pound of flesh. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> As you live in X country and use their resources and use their, and some of these countries have very different uh, taxation, corruption, yeah. laws, you know, anyways, <laughs> you're right. It's much more complicated than I think we all thought when it's like, oh, the world has changed. I'm selling my house and going yeah. living in Timbuktu and like, oh, wait a second, you know, wh- where is Timbuktu yeah. <laughs> and, and how does that actually impact? But you're, right. it's, uh, we become more isolated, but yet more global at the same time. Yeah. It's very interesting. Yeah. There's been a lot of positives for sure. Yeah, no, 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 no question. But it, it's not getting simpler. Let's put it that no. way. It's more complex for individuals and employers. Okay. So thinking about recruiting in the world that you live in and uh, that you are, I know, are incredibly good at, what are some of the things that you're seeing that are maybe changing? Like employer brand is important, having things that people connect to. Like those are things I think are only becoming more important, but they're not new trends. Is there anything you're seeing that's really candidates are either asking for or going, well, wait a second, I need to know, does the company do X or have Y? Mm-hmm. What do you, is there anything showing up that's really unique? Very much yes well number one is that is there an opportunity to have a hybrid opportunity or and there are some that have considerations at home I've never asked what they are but obviously you can tell from the conversation that it's something important for them to be able to work from home so uh, they have to continue looking if my client is not able to do that for them as an example and then there's some like me that are insisting to be able to go into an office every day. And and I actually, even before joining Anderson, before I signed on the dotted line, I said, I need to be able to go to the office every day. And if there's ever going to be another lockdown, I need to know that I can still do that. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And they said, no problem. <laughs> 
but yeah. Well, and you know, mo- most things are not a problem if you're clear up front. That's right. when, you're nobody, when you're not clear and it comes up later, that's, that's right. when things can get messy. That, <laughs> yeah. That's okay. the number one question for sure. And then another option is when they're thinking about um, what values the client has. So uh, it's back to that. What are they doing? Especially when we're talking about Calgarians, they're very interested in knowing especially, and I find it's the younger generation too, they're really interested in knowing where else that company is giving back in the community. What are they doing to show up? What are they, are are they just giving a check, which is important, or are they actually rolling up their sleeves and doing something about it? So Mm -hmm. that's certainly questions too. Um, You said especially Calgarians. It is. Is that like, I love to take any opportunity to shine a light on how awesome we are. So I'm going (laughs) to jump, I'm going to grab that one for a second. So you can, you talk to a candidate from another part of Canada. We're not going to, because this isn't to criticize anybody, but Calgarians having different questions around that. That's really cool. I'm really, I'm excited to hear that. Especially Calgarians. Yeah. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. Interesting mm-hmm. about really yeah, what what yeah where are you rolling up and younger generation I think that makes sense that's certainly been well publicized yeah. and I don't again I don't think that's a bad Me thing neither. I think it's great it's always somebody pushing something to change that well it's the way we've always done it well that's a good reason to kind of blow it up usually <laughs> in my mind that's right all right so values and actually where they're physically giving yeah. back not just like, oh no we support this well that's great but someone someone at head office sending a check doesn't necessarily make me feel connected yeah. as an individual who's part of the the team that's right that's who isn't there or wasn't at the check the giant check event or whatever that happens you got to be. it mm-hmm. that's right where they can actually mm-hmm. be part of that is really important which makes sense because we're humans we want to have the experience yeah. more, more than more than ever exactly. so values obviously key um Things like ESG or things like, you know, some of the broader stuff you're certainly seeing from an investor side, would that all kind of fall under that in terms of employees or is that at a level yet where employees are saying, hey, sh- send me your ESG report nope. and let me see what you're actually doing? No. And, and I Not think yet? that goes back to the show me, don't tell me. Mm, okay. And, and I think, oh, okay. you know, I, and this, I mean, you're, you're a marketing expert. I, I'd be curious to know your thoughts and maybe offline, but um, you know, there's an ESG report and then it's actually doing it. Oh, of course. That's we, green. The greenwashing comes in many shapes and sizes. Yeah. And, you know, certainly you can't, I can't have someone like the acronym comes up all the time. <laughs> I'm the one who brought it up this time, <laughs> but it's certainly a friend of mine is in town from Vancouver to come to take, she took an ESG studies uh, last week mm-hmm. and was just kind of like, yeah, a lot of it is just policy and a little bit of prophecy. And she's like, where's the real depth? And she was left feeling a bit frustrated that it was a lot of high level policy conversation, not a lot of like, okay, so what happens when the rubber meets the road? Right. That's a much bigger conversation. But I was just curious because certainly from an investor standpoint, there's lots of that conversation going around mm-hmm. and probably being driven heavily from the investment community. I was just wondering if someone has asked you, Hey, along with this application, I would love to see their ESG report no. to even know if they have one. So we're not, we're not there. I believe it'll get there, I do too. but hopefully it'll get there in a credible way. Uh, so I agree. I, I, hear you. I agree. And that, that speaks to the inclusivity, inclusive and diversity question as well. Mm, yeah. Well, the DEI conversation or, or however, however you want to arrange that, I'm always confused on which order yeah. to put it in, but that's not the point. <laughs> the point is, yeah, what about that one? Because that's certainly something that, again, these are all priorities. They just seem to get, one gets pushed away and then this becomes the new popular mm-hmm. one at the time. And I get that's how we are as humans, <laughs> but they're all still there. And are you seeing that more with the small to midsize where you're, where big organizations sometimes struggle to take those policies and make them actually real mm-hmm. across the organization just because of scale. But with smaller startups or midsize, are you seeing much more action when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion? 100%. Okay, yeah. And, right. and, there, and then it's actually proving to the candidates that are looking at it. It's not on their website. 
you know, in fact, what's on their website is showing, in fact, they've got a wide range of experts doing what they said they were going to do, and they happen to be diversified. Oh, interesting. Okay. Mm. Just do the thing. Just do right? it. Don't tell me that you're going to do the thing. Just, just do the do thing. It. Just do the thing. It seems so obvious. <laughs> so I'm, I'm so old school. Just, are you doing the thing? Well, then you're not really doing the thing. Um, what, uh, let's, let's test out the crystal ball here for a second. Are we, is this, is employee shortage only going to get worse? Are we heading towards a, you know, zero? I've had someone say on the show, like, hey, like, give us, a, give it us some time. I don't know, but man, we're heading towards zero unemployment in, in Alberta with everything that's happening here. So employers, like, stop dragging your heels. Stop thinking you have weeks to hire. Stop thinking that you can get away with, like, somehow you're in the power position because you're offering the job. Right. Like, get that out of your head. So are you, is that kind of the future that you're seeing? Or maybe we're already there now, but is it only going to get worse? We're there now. So in the last okay. month, we've noticed, I can't tell you how many files. Um, but Sean Dallar, one of our senior recruiters, well, you know, Sean, uh, he said mm -hmm. that he thought it was about a third of the files where we end up getting ready for offer and we lose the candidate because they have another offer. We're even, we even <sighs> at the yeah. point where we're at competing offers where we're losing them or gaining them or, or fighting over them or looking at signing bonuses. It's very real and clients are moving a whole lot faster than they did because they're now realizing we have to. Interesting. And we were just in that situation on Friday. Like we met a candidate on Monday and we had the offer delivered and verbal agreement by end of day Friday. Like, and they met with four people in organization. Cause I was like, I, I just kind of threw it down and said, we've got to, we got to hire the whole hire slow fire fast. The joke that's been floating around for years. Yeah. You just have to redefine what hire slow means. Right. And for us, I felt that, you know, our secret sauce of why we were so well prepared and knew exactly what our job description mm -hmm. was. There was no loosey goosey. Oh, we'll find a candidate and kind of see if it fits and see how it feels, which is, I'm not saying we've done that in the past, but maybe we're better at it than we used to. But any advice, like, is that just be really organized, be organized. and be really damn clear on who you're trying to hire? Because when they show up, you can't him and haw and go and think about can it because it's too late. Cannot. And you're right. So be organized. Whoever's story. going to be the decision makers, have them ready to go and meet whoever it is as fast as possible. Help everybody feeling comfortable and then make the offer and get them in there. Yeah, that's, that's, I've been well told and we executed on that last week and it just, it's fresh, it's fresh in my mind. And you know, when you get a win, you're like, okay, oh, we did the thing and it actually paid <laughs> off. Like we went twice as fast as we would have before, but still didn't cut the corners. We just did yeah. it in a lot more compressed yes. scale. Mm. Yeah. Okay. I got to ask you something because this bothers me for years. Are reference checks a complete utter waste of time? Sorry. I'm really leading my question with the way yeah. I asked it. <laughs> I feel that they're just such a load yeah. of garbage to do reference checks. But yeah. anyways, what would you recommend in a case like that? Would you recommend reference checks or what? Give me your professional opinion. I gave you my, I gave you my bias. Well, you, you, you can, can go ahead and hire them and then just do reference checks for their file, but they're going to say exactly what they need to say. It, it's really just more okay. icing on the cake. It's not how you make the decision. It's, it's only okay. after you've already decided that this is the right person for you. And it's by checking in with all the decision makers on your team that you've got the right person first and then take a look at their LinkedIn. What are they liking? What are they loving? What are they commenting on? What are they retweeting? Um, are they aligned with your values? Do you believe? Do you believe? Really important. What are they doing on Instagram? What are some of the images that they have? If their Facebook is open, what kind of friends do they have? Who are they hanging out with? Do all those things before you make your decision. That can all be done within a half an hour. That's your reference check. Nice. Good advice. Great advice. That is, you're right. That's your reference check because it's usually, it's actually real. Right. <laughs> well, as real as social media ever is, yeah, you know what I mean? With yeah. an asterisk. Well, if they're... You can pick up a, you can pick up a thread, right. right? You can get a vibe of what's going 100%. on. 100%. Well, going on with them. 
most importantly, right? Of course, yeah. That yeah. For, no, I really appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Do candidates like there was a period of time when it felt like there was a gap? We're like, whoa, my employer will never look at my social media. It's like, what are you thinking? Of course they're going to. Of course look they do. And, and vice versa. Do employer like are candidates well versed in that now, or is nope. there still a little bit of? <laughs> no, okay. I was giving candidates really nope. a benefit of the doubt. There are some. I mean, okay. I... So what's your advice to candidates, Gather? <laughs> Let's cut right to the chase. Well, there are, and believe it or not, it's the marketing communications teams, uh, candidates that know that they are going to be checked out, so they've got everything blocked, and I can't get in there. <laughs> <laughs> because well, they're smart enough to know because they live in, they live in that world right. right yes of course where then there's you know old school like me that just leaves it wide open for everybody to see what I like and share and cuz I don't care <laughs> <laughs> and I do appreciate that side of the coin absolutely and there are a lot of people that don't care so and and here I am yes I'm going to do a great job for you but this is what I believe in and if you don't like me that's okay too well, there's a certain degree that 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 is that is okay too, yeah. right? That's like we don't all we don't all have to be best That's friends. Right. That's right. All right, because nothing will destroy a relationship like a misalignment of values. Agreed. That's as old as the as the day is long. Okay. Uh, curious around, you know, for years being in being in all kinds of leadership and like some companies I know with these robust recruiting platforms and doing psychological profiling and all that kind of stuff. And some of them I knew didn't really they did all that, spent all that time, and still had as kind of felt like their rate of success wasn't any mm -hmm. different. Is there any tool? or is there any kind of assessment or process like back to the employer side that you've seen be successful to just give that little bit of extra insight that you're looking for at those early stages of meeting a candidate? Yeah, I love assessments. And you know, I love assessment tools and it really doesn't matter which one it is. They're all super fun to do, but it's only okay. a confirmation of what you already believe. You, you must have somebody on your decision-making team that has high intuition. You do, Tyler. I know you do. I'm sure you have a couple of decision-makers inside of your organization that you would check in with. And, and I, would, check. Thank you. I yeah. would use them first. My gut has been wrong before, just as a record. Very rarely. I've realized I'm a really good judge of character if people present themselves exactly truly as they exactly. are. Otherwise, I can be duped. <laughs> I have learned this the hard way. Well, we all can, for sure. Um, that's why you need a couple of people's perspective in my, it's yeah, true. the soul, like I know yeah. you don't really <laughs> you never know. really you just know. You know. In fact, if you've <laughs> no, not, uh, listened to or read talking with strangers by Malcolm Gladwell yet. Oh, so good. So yes. good. Right. And it talks to that. Basically proving you don't know anything <laughs> <laughs> when the CIA can yeah, be your cognitive biases are ruling your day and you have no idea any, but you'll argue, but you'll defend them to the death. <laughs> Right. That's a really good book. Good, good reference. It's a great really reference. Good reference. And, and to the point of the assessments, even an assessment tool for the CIA wouldn't matter. All it is is a confirmation that either one, they could be a complete psychopath and they know exactly how to fill those out. Or in fact, okay, yes, it's just a confirmation of what I already believe this person to be. So I think what's really great is when it's for organizations that do not necessarily have a team of executives or decision makers that have high intuition it is a great okay. opportunity for them to go okay because some some people are more black and white they need to to see that detail and that i i guess what they would perceive as an unbiased uh perception of who that person is that's great it's it, again it's just icing on the cake it really shouldn't be the final decision the intuition is the final decision which, you know, just to make this, finish this joke, if you don't know if you have intuition or not, you could do an assessment tool to find out. <laughs> Sorry, it's too easy. I love it. You get the analytic, well, how am I supposed to know if I have intuition? Well, I bet we could find a tool we can analyze and find out what you said. And, and if you're asking the question. 
Touche, yes. I'm like, hmm, maybe we're not. We're gonna probably go with no. We're gonna probably go with no. I'm, I'm, you have other strengths. Look around the room, and nobody has intuitions. Maybe you. I don't know. There's a joke about that. But no, I really appreciate your perspective on like those. Those are all tools, but they're designed to support and to validate and to give different perspectives on what your gut is probably already yeah, telling. Yeah, that's you. right. But, yes, we spend our whole lives like learning how to re-listen to our to our gut to, to our gut instincts. That's right. I appreciate you really brought it down to the reality of it's still a human experience, and it's going to be a little bit messy, and there isn't a tool that's going to make anything it's not there's no way to make it perfect yeah i agreed mm, no, I, I appreciate that and because hiring fast it, it says that's the joke sometimes maybe hiring fast is actually almost better because it forces you to kind of sit with it if you drag it out for longer it sometimes that can go in the opposite direction it's true. and i've seen it i've seen it really been successful either way i can't really say i've seen one work better than the other hired quick and it's been great taken forever thought it was perfect and it was a complete yes blast. that's right how critical is that three-month quote-unquote probationary period critical. for you, when you like to onboard the, the 90 day like taking that is more seriously than I've since some organizations we take it very seriously now because I think it's only fair to the candidate to set mm -hmm. them up for success but also to make that moment of okay should we keep dating or shouldn't that's we? right it's maybe a bad analogy to use but it kind of feels that way sometimes do you find still a lot of organizations don't take that or do or are you seeing the opposite that people get really serious about how important that 90 day time period actually is it actually depends on the company and culture and what, how important it is to retain their team. There's many organizations, companies, firms that will just give them a desk and a phone and get to it. And then there's many others that are completely organized a week in advance to the person starting their new laptop and everything that they need for their home office. They've got their business cards ready. Everything gets couriered to the their home office. So they're completely ready to hit the, the ground first day. And they've already had these one-on-ones with all the people that they're going to be working with. So they feel completely comfortable. They know where the coffee machine is. They know where everything is. And, and they're not left. There's so many that will get started. And a week later, they have no idea what they're doing. So it really depends on the company and culture. What a huge message. I care or I couldn't care less. Mm -hmm. Like there's really like, and we've worked hard over the years to become the first option and, and send them something and have an onboarding and like get the team around and do everything to make them more importantly, not that they know exactly what to do, but just that they feel like you actually yeah. care about them. Like sometimes it is as complicated as do you, and I can, again, I feel like I'm asking leading questions here, but I feel the retention rate of the group that was set up for success has to be higher oh. than the group that's just given a desk and a phone and, and a computer that maybe has software loaded on it maybe not yeah. a pencil it's got to be a huge they, they don't value the the person in the same way and and they certainly don't value how much it costs it costs their organization to continue hiring and training and firing or letting go whatever they're doing um it costs yeah. big money i actually Catherine bell with awaken journey uh said that it for any professional it costs one million dollars to go through that whole process that is a lot. Whoa, okay, all right, because you, you beat me to my next question. So, okay, break that down for me a little bit. That's, you got my attention, that's a heavy number. Yeah, well, it's, it's a lack of onboarding correctly. It's a lack of taking care and making sure that they, they've got everything that they need. Um, having to fire them, because now you've given them six months and you've done all that training. You might've had a search firm do the initial search, so there was that initial cost. Now you have to start the whole process over again. And then the cost that ripples out from there. You've had this person in a senior role or whatever role that is, and it's affecting everybody. So you've got them all, the whole team is wrapped around them. 
So maybe they're not a fit for whatever reason. They've turned into some sort of cancer in the organization. How many hours and dollars did it affect the rest of the team when they're having to work with them on a regular basis? So that she, I don't know how she calculated it, but, but I know for sure that was the number that she used when I asked her how much it cost to go through that process. It's a powerful number. And if nothing else, it's bigger than you think mm -hmm. it is. Like that's what that number tells me. Like, oh, it only costs the cost of that. Like, no, no. And, and you're right. You don't, it's so hard to quantify the impact, especially if someone's there for six months, they've become part of the organization, good or bad. Mm -hmm. And there's an impact of people around them. And, you know, someone who's become a cancer to the organization at that point, they're bringing other people onto their boat oh, with yeah. them. And that's like, that could be like, how do you put a dollar on that's that? That's right. As well? mm -hmm. And then how do you get them back on track? You know, when we do yeah. have to let that person go, and then all those people that were working with them go and sit, come to you and say, oh, thank goodness you let them go. I, they were really bad. Blah, blah. And you didn't know that because they were too afraid yeah. to come to you for whatever reason. Unfortunately, we've all had those conversations and, been, and felt shame as a leader for not realizing. Sure. I have, anyways, for sure. They're just like, oh, how did I not realize well, we, the, the carnage that that was causing? Yeah, we don't mm -hmm. know. And then how long does it take them to get back on, on the, the boat again? Like on the, where they're... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, pulling yeah. their weight. Where, where they're actually feeling good yeah. about the job that they maybe loved before that got kind of toxic and exactly. bullying and who knows all the who things that can, that can lead to something like that. Yeah. But, oh, it's so scary. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as with these mad rushes for talent that I'm hearing from organizations, well, we need to hire 200, we need to hire 300. Mm -hmm. The odds of, of, like, there's going to be some missteps in there just because it's the nature of, like you said, human dynamics 100%. and your gut and your intuition and you're going to get it wrong some of the time. Okay. But then how quickly can you recognize it? And back to the 90-day question, being very clear on what success or not looks like, setting them up for success for starters. But by 60 days, if someone's not fitting, you've got a pretty good idea if you're working closely. Agreed. If you're... If you're set it and forget it, then that's a, that's a little bit to your peril. Totally. Agreed. Oh, so scary. That's, uh, we got to, you know, it's, again, the backbone of every one of our companies is the teams we put together and the humans we work with. Mm -hmm. But yet there is no exact formula and there is no way to, to guarantee success. No. Except for maybe hiring an amazing recruiting firm like <laughs> CBI. Like if we're going to work that back around. Uh, <laughs> even that though, like we, we have to do reduce too. It's not perfect, right? Yeah. yeah. I appreciate the honesty, yeah. Catherine. Uh, what's the the reality of digital and the reality of you know you're a hands-on person to person you're out there shaking hands and you're meeting people and I, I, I do have to call this out because it just I was super impressive you have 29,681 followers on, on LinkedIn it's very impressive Catherine you give me I have follower envy I don't know why but I just do because it's such a big you're number so fun. <laughs> it's very impressive but I know you're out there meeting people all the time mm -hmm. what's the role of technology and AI and all the tools and I won't do all the buzzword bingo but what role is technology playing in changing the way recruiting happens versus the still humans still need to work with humans at the end of the day. Just curious mm -hmm. what you're seeing and is there some goods and some bads in there? Uh, yes. <laughs> in, in fact, <laughs> please tell me, tell me more, Catherine. I'm not going to let you go away with a yes. <laughs> uh, yes. All of it is important. Um, in fact, yes. Uh, the, the face to face, the handshake is all important. It's also critically important to be online and LinkedIn is our recruiting tool. If they're not on LinkedIn, awesome. in fact, um, we've got a great client, that Surgical Suite company, that we have found every candidate that they've needed for, I think, almost a year. It's been amazing. And the only one that I was disappointed by is they found their own person. And I said, really? I was I literally used everybody in LinkedIn that I knew that was in and around this person. And they said, ah, yeah, but they weren't on LinkedIn. I'm like, oh. There it is. <laughs> uh -huh. 
that, yes, it, it, it is. And it's like the old days of like, well, not having a business start doesn't, but it can't hurt. Yeah. It's one of those things. There's, there's just no option I see today or certainly, and I don't want to say necessary evil. Right. To me, LinkedIn is one of the social media platforms that I think still is, again, you can have your issues with LinkedIn and Twitter, sorry, with Twitter and Facebook and some of those, but LinkedIn, it's just like, it's people I know, it's what they're doing. Like, it's still one of those platforms that I get way more value than I get that, like, oh, I wasted time on mm. it kind of feeling. Yeah. That sometimes comes from other social media platforms. But I think LinkedIn has done a really good job of becoming just literally the backbone of the, of the business community. Agreed. <laughs> and, and they continue to get better and better. I've understood that they, yes. they're taking over or have taken over Salesforce which will be an interesting merger of CRM and LinkedIn. As a, as a powerhouse of a tool. And as long as they can keep it in that world of like, it feels more beneficial than it feels salesy. Cause that's a tricky Agreed. balance to maintain. Right. If you feel like you're getting stalked you're like, get away from me. Agreed. Like we all love what we want when we want yeah. it, but the second we don't want it, we better not see it. Cause then it feels, I don't like that. That's now. true. That's the trick of marketing <laughs> showing up when someone wants to see you, not the five other times they have want nothing to do with you. And you keep going, Hey, Hey, pay attention. <laughs> that's to me. right. Anyways, that's the promise of digital says we're going to answer all those problems, but we've not yet perfected no. it. Just, just, just quite that's yet. True. Um, so what gets you the most excited about Calgary, the way forward for Western Canada? I know you work on a much broader stage, but we're, this is a Calgary show. What gets you the most excited about Calgary over the next couple of years, Catherine, from where you're sitting? Well, we've got a great group of citizens. You know, I love Calgary. I love, I love the dynamics here. I love the things that are happening. I love the fact that we can still get business done on a handshake. And, and that's for, you know, anywhere in Alberta, as far as I'm concerned. I love the the landscape for um, a, an opportunity to change our our premier out and and find a new prime minister. So <laughs> yeah, we have some changes on the horizon. We do, we do, we do. This will air in a couple of weeks. Who knows what's going to be happening by the time we get to yeah. there? Like lots of lots of lots of um, angst in the air. I think, but yeah. change, which I'm excited. Yeah, for. Yeah, agreed. So I'm hopeful. I I like what's happening, and I look forward to many more years here. Yes, I agree. I, I felt I was way too young to say, remember the good old days. So you know what? I'm really glad that I don't have, because after 2013, 2014, 2015, yeah. I'm like, really? Like, I'm not old enough to do the good old days thing. Like, I think we got a couple other runs in us here. Yeah. And Calgary, it, they made us, the Calgary, they, the, it, it made us wait it out. But I think we're in a fantastic position right now. Okay. And when you think about, you know, obviously there's a lot of pressure and, you know, storm clouds on the horizon, but a lot of people, a lot of smart people, smarter than me that I'm talking to, really feel we're in a really good pocket right now right. in Alberta. And we've been insulated before in downturns. And I think that some of what's happening, and that's going to be my, I'm always going to look at the world with Calgary with rose colored glasses, but I don't think it's completely without merit. This time I agree. <laughs> I agree. I definitely feel it. It's uh, yes. There's a buzz. There's an energy, even with adventures that happened last yeah. week downtown. And you're just like, oh my god, the city's on fire right now. It feels, it felt so good. Yeah. Like it was, it was very, uh, it was addictive and it kind of, and it created its own snowball effect. Um, Catherine, what's the best way? Uh, obviously, LinkedIn, of course, that's obvious. Um, a website. What's if somebody wants to get a hold of you? What's the best way for them to reach out? Yeah, mm -hmm. um, LinkedIn or email is also on my LinkedIn. So everything is exposed. Oh, my phone number's up there. You can get her. You can it. get a hold of me any time of day except. 3 a.m. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that's good. You need to draw limits. I appreciate it. Life is about setting appropriate boundaries. I think that's good. So 3 a.m. is your boundary. Like just, just 3 or like 2.30? Yeah, no, 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 you don't have to answer. Yeah. That's sort of yeah. relevant. <laughs> Got to draw a limit somewhere. I appreciate it. Catherine, thank you so much for coming on the show. Really good Thanks, to reconnect Tyler. and just have a good old-fashioned chat. I appreciate it. And I guarantee I will see you around. I look forward. <laughs> thank you, thank Catherine. Thank you, Tyler.